Hello, and welcome to the Kiskea Chapel Sermon Podcast. Kiskea Chapel is an international church in Port-au-Prince, Haiti, where we equip English-speaking believers to expand God's kingdom in our community and beyond. For more information about Kiskea Chapel, you can visit us on our website at kiskeachapel.org. We hope you enjoy this message. I think we are uh, in Mark, uh, in our study, Mark chapter 10, and I'll be reading uh, two portions of scriptures. First, I'll be reading from uh, March 10, verses 17 um, through 21. Then at the end of the chapter, I'll be reading from verse 46 to the end. That is um, verse 52. Mark um, chapter 10. And please don't uh, turn off your Bible or close it because we're going to read different scriptures and see what the Lord has for us this morning. And Mark writes, and as he was setting out on his journey, a man ran up and knelt before him and asked him, good teacher, what must I do to inherit eternal life? And Jesus said to him, why do you call me good? No one is good except God alone. You know the commandments, do not murder, do not commit adultery, do not steal, do not bear false witness, do not defraud. Honor your father and mother. And he said to him, teacher, all of these I have kept from my youth. And Jesus, looking at him, loved him and said to him, you lack one thing. Go sell all that you have and give it to the poor and you will have treasure in heaven. And come, follow me. Verse 46, and they came to Jericho, and as he was leaving Jericho with his disciples and a great crowd, Bartimaeus, a blind beggar, the son of Timaeus, was sitting by the roadside. And when he heard that it was Jesus of Nazareth, he began to cry out and said, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. And many rebuked him, telling him to be silent. But he cried out all the more, Son of David, have mercy on me. And Jesus stopped and said, Call him. And they called the blind man, saying to him, Take heart, get up, he is calling you. And throwing off his cloak, he sprang up and came to Jesus. And Jesus said to him, What do you want me to do for you? And the blind man said to him, Rabbi. In the Greek, he said, my Rabbi, let me recover my sight. And Jesus said to him, go your way. Your faith has made you well. And immediately he recovered his sight and followed him on the way. This is the word of the Lord. Let's pray. Dear Father, thank you for your presence among us. We have felt your presence this morning through the songs, through our worship, 
and we thank you for honoring us by your presence. We're asking you, Father, please to talk to us, to our hearts, to our spirits, but also, Lord, speak to our will so that we might follow your word. Anoint us, anoint our hearts and hear, ears, and protect us this morning from the evil one so that your word might grow in our hearts. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. I have twin brothers. They were born five years after I was born, but they are identical twins. I remember one time my mother rebuking one of them for, unfortunately, for the other. And he said, Mom, it's not me. So imagine a mother who, who uh, have two sons, and those guys spent nine months in my mother's womb, and even my mom could not uh, decipher them. They are really alike. However, now I think they are 37. After spending much time with them, you will realize that they don't talk the same way. They have some features, if you look at them well, that will tell you who's Antoine and who's William, but their first name is Jacques. So a friend of mine just said, well, I just call them Jacques because I can decipher them. They have two different tone of voice and two different temperaments. This is the same thing that we're going to see this morning. In the same chapter, we have two stories about two men, a rich man and a beggar. But I'd like to see with you this morning the similarities between those two men, the differences between those two men, but also the destiny of these two men. Two men, but two different destinies. Mark tells us that those two people were, first of all, two men. Secondly, they have, Mark presents them uh, with their social background. They have a so social status. Verse 22, one was a wealthy man and the other was a beggar. However, their similarities is that they're part of the same society and they are um, presented regarding their social background. The th third thing is, the, 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 the th third thing is that um, those two men saw something special in Jesus. Their eyes, their hearts, showed them that Jesus was not and a usual person, there was something special about Jesus. <clears throat> the rich man called, calls Jesus master or good teacher. Verse 18, good teacher. He was not only uh, a simple rabbi, there was something special about this man. Uh, one person said, well, no one speaks like that man. The beggar calls him the son of David. He calls him also Rabuni, my master, verses 47 and 48. Fourthly, those two men were desperate. They were desperate for something special. They were desperate for, for something that 
only Jesus could do for them. One's money could not buy what uh, he was desperate for, and uh, the other one had nothing to present to Jesus. Both men were desperate. We live in a world where you and I are conditioned to see people different from, from us. When we grow up, we tend to look at people and see what differentiates us from other people. I like to see a small kids, you know, two or three years old, and I remember when my daughter was in kindergarten, and, and, and you probably had that experience. In August, September, your kids are well, but the first week of kindergarten, they come with a flu. I'll tell you why they have the flu. One has the flu and has that lollipop in the mouth, then he or she shares it with the others, so socks and the other socks, and, and the flu goes to the entire school. Pretty gross, but that's how they are. Because they don't see the difference between themselves. But society and us, we teach kids that uh, they are different from, from one another for different reasons. Because you and I are conditioned to look at differences. We emphasize and the, our mental structures, our social structures and economic, even theological structures condition us to see people differently. However, the bottom line, we will realize that we have a common denominator. We are human beings. And that's what we see in this text. Those two guys uh, were presented pretty uh, similarly. We are desperate many times because we need the help of a Savior. A Savior who will make us whole, who will make us whole physically, who will make us whole emotionally, but also who will heal our sinful hearts. But also we, we need a Savior who will make our relationship right with God, our relationship right with ourselves, but also making our relationships right with others. We are all desperate and we are similar um, because we need the intervention of Christ. Yes, we are similar and we sit at the same table. We sit at the same table of brotherhood and sisterhood, to be politically correct. We sit at the same table, the same table, the table of humanity. However, we don't sit at the same seats. Though we sit at the same table, we are feasting at the same table, but our seats are not the same. And based on our conditions and based on where we sit at the table, we are considered, or we consider ourselves differently. Those two guys sat at the table of humanity, however, they were not sitting at the same table. They were considered different. One was rich. Um, Mark uses a word that depicts the expression of first one. He was preeminent. He was someone who had access to things. He was respected. He was a great man. The text also 
in the original tells us he was a prince. He was someone with preeminence. He had access to one thing. He had access easily to Jesus. He came, he knelt, and he was not prevented, prevented by any other people. The text tells us he ran to Jesus and he fell at his feet because he was a wealthy person. But also he was a fervent keeper of the law. When Jesus tells him what to do to inherit eternal life, Jesus said, well, you, you, you already know the law. And he recited what he kept and he said, I made sure that I keep the law and not violate the law. As a soldier is guarding a prisoner, he made sure that he followed, he followed the law. And the text tells us that Jesus loved him. He loved, he loved him with the love of God, agapao. He was different. He was a rich man. He was preeminent. And he had easily access to Jesus, Bartimaeus. He was a beggar. He was a poor man. He was a blind man. He could not see physically, at least. He sat by the road and he was begging for, for money. Imagine the dust of Jericho and the horses and people, the crowd. If you were here in, in 2003, 2004, you have mass crowds on the streets and imagine the crowd around Jesus and the dust and that man sat by the road. He was blind, he was a beggar. But remember, in that time, the blinds were considered as cursed by God. He was the expression of coronavirus, right? In John 9, verse 1 and 2, the disciples ask a question about a blind man. And I quote, Jesus, why was that man born blind? Was it because of his own sins or the sins of his parents? So to them, any blind man was cursed by God. So imagine that poor man begging for money, but also considered as cursed by God. Therefore, he didn't have easy access to Jesus when he called and the text tells us that he kept calling. As when our children are telling us, Mommy, please, 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 Mommy, please. And you keep telling the child, no. And the child goes back, please, 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 please. And the text tells us he was calling out loud, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. And the crowd in Luke says, shut up, silent, compared with the wealthy man who easily had access to Christ. But that man was rebuked because he was blind and he was cursed by the Almighty. The, blind, the rich man had something to bring to Jesus, his faithfulness to the law. But that poor guy only had his cry 
to bring to God, to bring to the master. Jesus, have mercy on me. So we see that they have one common denominator, their humanity, but in reality, we are being seen in the world more for our differences than for our humanity. They treated those two guys based on their background, but their destiny, the text tells us, was different. When Jesus loved that man, he said, you just, you, you lack one thing. Yes, you followed the law and I love you for that, but I'd like to go further with you. I would like to go deeper with you. I would like to go deeper than the physical expression of obedience to the law. I would like to go deeper to your spirit, to your heart and to your soul. He said, you lack one thing, verse, verse 21. Go, sell everything that you have and give it to who? To the poor. Then come, follow me. The text tells us that his face fell when he heard that because he was a wealthy man. For those who think that they need to sell everything when they come to Christ, I will tell you this is not a good idea. Because sometimes we, 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 we read one text and we run with that text and say, well, the Bible tells us we need to do this and this. You probably know the story of that man who opened the book of God, the Bible, and he read Judas left and he went to hung himself. And he said, I don't think that's the word of God. He closed the Bible and opened it, opened it again and he read the words of Jesus, go and do it. So uh, this text does not, is not telling us literally that we need to sell everything because Christ is going deeper than that. And in the three years of Jesus' ministry, it's the only time that he asked a person to sell everything. Jesus was going deeper. He was testing his devotion. Are you serious about following me? Are you serious about your request to inherit eternal life? That rich man was sad because he was possessed by his possession. He was possessed by his wealth. The very thing that he lacked was preventing him to get what he wanted. The very thing that he lacked prevented him to get what he wanted, i.e. eternal life. Jesus was asking him total devotion, total commitment to me. That is, do you love me enough to leave what you love the most or to surrender what you love the most to me. When I was a young child, my dad was always talking and preaching about total surrender. And I didn't want to surrender everything in my life because I wanted to control things in my life. Because sometimes for those who drive, I don't know for you, but I'd rather drive my car rather than having someone driving me, especially my wife. Thankfully, she's not here. Because 
When she drives, she drives. I'd rather have Christ sitting by me and I'm driving. And when he tells me, go that way, and I can argue with him to tell him that, actually, you live in heaven and I live in Haiti. Let me tell you how things go here. And that man didn't want Jesus to be the main driver. He didn't want to commit everything to Christ. He was blinded by the love for things rather than for Christ. So in this text, who's blind? Is it the blind man or the rich man? He was blind by what possessed him. On the other hand, Bartimaeus kept calling. Jesus, son of David, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. And it's funny how the same person that was rebuking Bartimaeus when the Lord stops and said, well, let him come. That's those same people said, well, 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 now you can come. Don't cry anymore. I'm like, seriously? The very same people that were rebuking him told him, get up. And the text tells us he leaped, he jumped and ran. How can a blind man run? Jesus' voice led him to the master. And it's interesting to see how uh, the beggar left his cloak. The cloak that that beggar had served him also as a bed. He slept in that cloak. He, that was his only possession. But he was willing to leave the very thing that he had. The only thing probably that he had, that thing who, that could keep him from getting cold at night. He left his cloak, he jumped and went to the master. And the master asked him a very interesting question. What do you want from me? Because I might see that you're blind, but you might want something else. He said, Jesus, I want to recover my sight. And the master healed him. But he said, first, Jesus, son of David. Then he said, my master. The rich man said, good master. There's a certain distance between the rich man and Christ, but there's a proximity between the beggar and Christ. He said, Rabuni, my master. Even though you haven't healed me yet, but I consider you as my master. My master, please, I want to recover my sight. And he was healed instantly. And the text says that he followed Jesus without Jesus requesting him to follow him. He followed Jesus and Jesus asked the rich man, when you give your wealth to the poor, come and follow me. Jesus didn't have to ask that beggar to follow him. He was willing to follow Christ and he left everything and he followed Jesus. What keeps us, what keeps us from surrendering our lives to Christ? 
What keeps us from giving everything? Absolutely everything to him. That is for him to control everything in our lives. Is, is it a feeling that we must control our lives? As I have been and as I'm still struggling? Is it a feeling that we need to, to, to be at the driver's seat and having Jesus in the back seat or by, by our side? Telling him what's going on on earth because he, he's in heaven. Is it that urge for us to control our lives? Or is it doubt? In my case, it was doubt. I don't think that Jesus will lead me to the place that I would want to go and to the place that I feel that is best for me. Is it because of doubt? Or be, is it because of pride? I'm a man. No one will control my life. Is it because of pride? Because we think that we're smarter than God? That we know things more than God? Or is it because of open disobedience? We want to go our, we want to go our way. Like Jonah, who took the opposite route from what the Lord asked him. God is calling us to surrender everything. Foundationally, we are human beings, but the Lord has a way for each one of us. His way for you will not be his way for me. And that beggar showed us that he was willing to surrender everything, everything to God. He recovered his sight, but also he followed Christ. Unfortunately, that rich young man went home sad, not getting what he came for, which is eternal life. June 20, uh, March 2015 will always remain in my mind. The Lord has been dealing with me for about a year um, to leave a very nice position. I was leading an organization well-known around the country on TV and radio stations, but God was telling me, it's over. It's over, you need to leave. And I was thinking about my family, thinking about everything that I built with that organization, and I went to Lekai for a conference. Then in the morning I was fasting about the conference and God's voice spoke clear me to me. God said, Valerie, it's over. You need to leave. Um, I surrendered, but not knowing what was awaiting me for the years to come and how I will tell my wife that I'm quitting my job because God spoke to me. When I came back, I announced to her that I was leaving my position to focus more on ministry and to open my consulting business. And she said, no problem, because as you were away, it was clear to me that you're going to take a decision. And God spoke to my heart and said, everything that he will tell you, you must do. Five years later, 
The Lord has been faithful in ways that I cannot imagine. The ministry is exploding, and uh, in spite of uh, the difficulties in the country, contracts are coming from different places, and there's a peace in the heart that I'm in the right position. Because I told God one time that I, will, I don't want you to tell me what you told Elijah. When God asked Elijah, what are you doing here? And I told God, please, help me to never hear that from you. What are you doing here? So what is keeping you from surrendering your life to, to the Lord? Totally, completely. As a leaf on the water, being led by God to the places where he wants you to go. It does not mean that you won't have setbacks, difficulties, fights, discouragement. But at least you will know that when the winds blow on your boat, you'll have someone to talk to and tell him, God, you are the one who led me there. What's going on? And he will tell you, I'm still on the boat. Even though you see me sleep, but I'm still there because I won't drown with you. When you will go through the fire, I'll be with you. When you get in the water, I'll be keeping you. When the winds blow and you feel that your wings are going to break, I'm the one actually leading you to those places. I am with you because I will never leave you nor forsake you. Even in the grave, I will be with you. What is keeping you from surrendering your life to Jesus? My encouragement for you this morning, especially in those times, is to let God be the master totally, completely. And you will see what he will do for you as the wind of the Spirit will lead you to places that you will never imagine. And years back like me, and you will just shake your head saying, definitely you are on your throne. And you're leading us in ways that we, will, we would never imagine. Let's pray. Lord, how much we want to hear you talk to us individually in the very places that you want us to surrender. In your word, you have put before us two men who were desperate for your intervention. As we are desperate to see you move in our lives. But dear Lord, many times our flesh, our sinfulness, our fears prevent us from following you completely. And forgive us. Forgive us for that. May your spirit continue to compel us to surrender our lives totally, completely to you. Surrender our, our families to you. Surrender our marriages to you. Surrendering our plans to you. May the grace of God continue to build faith in you, 
Father, so that we might see through the eyes of faith your will and also to trust you completely. Break our hearts, break our spirits, so that we might surrender completely to you. In the name of Jesus, I pray. Amen. We hope this message was helpful for you. If you're in Haiti, join us on Sunday mornings where English speakers from all backgrounds, missionaries, diplomats, Haitians, expats, come together to worship, to connect, and to have fellowship with one another. You can find more information about our location, our service times, and our Sunday school program for all ages at our website at kiskeachapel.org. Or shoot us an email at chapelq at gmail.com. That's chapelq at gmail.com. Thanks for listening.